This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, I'm Antoine Way, and I will be your host today for this Global Ambition podcast episode. And my guest today is Georg Kirchner, who is the MT Program Manager at Dell. And our topic, we're going to be talking about machine learning at uh, Dell today. Georg, welcome to the program. Thanks, Antoine. Thanks for having me. Do you want to briefly tell us about you and your role with Dell at the moment? Sure. So I've been with Dell for since 2013. I really came to Dell through the acquisition of EMC. In the last couple of years, I really focused on machine translation. Uh, previously at EMC, I was managing technology, you know, setting up translation management system, and really got into the weeds around integrating the supply chain and also setting up a framework by which we were able to to capture interesting KPIs around machine translation. And before that, I spent 17 years on the production side. You know, I started off as a staff translator, was a project manager, then a PMO. So I came to this role of a technology manager with, with a pretty well-rounded experience from the business side. And I find that now looking after machine translation is one manifestation of machine learning at Dell is really a logical progression in my career. Interesting progression towards, like you said, our topic today, which is machine learning. So let me dive directly into some of the questions we want to address today for our audience. I'm interested to find out what data do you use at Dell for your machine learning program and for what purpose? You know, let me focus on machine translation because this is really where things become most real. As you know, machine translation is a good proxy for machine learning because the principles for machine learning are really so widely applicable to the various use cases. Anyway, that said, uh, what do we use in terms of data? We do have uh, translations. And we produce a lot of translations. They're captured in the form of TMX files. We have an extensive uh, glossary, so that's captured in the TBX format. The data that we would want to have to back up a program are, is posted at distance, is the time the translator spends to correct machine translation output. We're even interested in the raw MT output. And to understand uh, post-editing edit patterns, we would want to look at the segment level audit trail so we understand which kinds of changes the linguists make along the way. Lastly, I would say, given that the quality of output is so much dependent on the quality of input, we're also interested in getting scores of the source language quality. And what do you use the, the data for? What purpose in this case? We are using it. Well, let's, uh, let's start with the TMX files. We use those to customize our models. So we don't use uh, the generic models for all our use cases. We do want to adjust the output to adhere to our terminology, to our style. So model customization is one use case. The terminology we use to, to control the translation of branded items, just think of company name 
Bell Technologies tends to get transliterated when you go into Japanese. Mm-hmm. We clearly would want to preserve the Latin rendering of our company name, even in Japan or you know other locales. The other data points posted at a distance, you know, the which you basically is. Uh, a way of measuring the post-editor effort in characters changed. So the post-edit distance is a proxy of empty output quality. So we want to capture that. And we also would want to have that to triage feedback. So you can imagine if you own an empty model and you ask someone else to give you a discount based on the output from that model, you kind of have to defend quality of that model and so you often will get feedback and uh, you know that goes along the lines you know the output of that model is really poor now what those translators will do you know because they only have so much time they mostly will comment on what is not working they will not tell you how great the empty model is in all the other you know situations so in order to really triage feedback from the linguists you need to have context and so having post-edit distance at scale provides you that context where you can say, oh, this is really a systemic issue. This is a one-off. It may be caused by the source. So we're talking about quality data here. We've experienced ourselves. Machine learning is only really going to be learning if you input quality data, you know, as opposed to a vast amount of poor quality information. So what are the challenges that you're getting to get quality data uh, at Dell? Well, yeah, I mentioned the source quality somewhere along the line. So this is where it really starts. Not all of, all of our authors are professional authors. You know, we have a pretty large area where translatables are being created by what you could call citizen authors, okay? Right. And then you, you need to translate that. And the quality of that source may not be great. Now, what does the translator do? They don't always have the time to turn around and say, hey, author, could you improve on the source? No, instead, what they will be doing is they will over-translate to compensate for the deficiencies in the source. Then you have good translations, poor source, which makes basically poor parallel data. Okay, so all of a sudden you end up with training data that's not great to to train a machine learning model because the source and the target are not aligned, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. We are a big organization, which shouldn't come as a surprise. We have used translation management systems for a long time. And you can imagine with many, many different programs. So we are faced with a legacy data structure, which is pretty complex at this point. So we have our translations in many repositories, which is translation memories, okay? So we need to think about how can we consolidate the data so we can get to it more easily. I mean, think of translation memories uh, structured by product versus quality tier. You know, we have many products, but how many quality tiers do we have? Maybe three, four? So going from hundreds of TMs to let's say four would really help uh, an MT admin like me to, to process that data. So would you discard some of the data based on the number of criteria, whether that data 
is too old, for instance, or the quality or the type of content that you're getting, would you discard it from using it in the model? Yeah, absolutely. So as you can imagine, terminology changes over time. Right. You know, Dell and DMC coming together, Dell buying EMC, you know, our terminologists had to make uh, choices around, well, which which term are we going to go forward with, you know? So there are changes within our linguistic data around terminology. So you would want to cut out older data, and that's what we, in fact, are doing, you know. When we train models, the most simple way of pruning the data is going by timestamp. And you only use data that comes from internal to uh, Dell, or do you also sometimes buy external data? So this is one of the things that are good or beneficial from working in a large organization. Dell produces tons of data. So we do not have to buy the data. Okay, so so we produce sufficient data continuously to to update our models uh, continuously. So that's the good news. So we don't have to buy it. As long as you've got quality data, you're probably better off with lower amount of data of high quality rather than having a vast amount of data that is of poor, low quality. Very true. Now, the interesting thing is, as you know, all that data originates with the translator. Right. And the translator is not, well, certainly not staff at Dell. Human translator is sort of, how should I say, sitting in what I call a multi-tier, multi-prong supply chain. So they're removed from us uh, through various layers. And so... What we're still struggling a little bit with is rolling up this data to us through that complex supply chain. So this is, again, where legacy technology is a bit of a, a hindrance, but it's just going to be a matter of time you know, before we switch to newer technology where those kinds of data flows are more easily facilitated. So there are some challenges as we discussed there, but I presume you also have a certain number of successes or practical applications that you have experience with the data. Can you share some of that with us? Well, the one is the customization of models so that the output adheres more closely to Dell terminology, to Dell style, protecting the the branded uh, items is pretty important as well. We did, in the days of of EMC, we did have a platform where we were able to capture data such as post-data distance at scale. And you know, this is where we then benefited from the insights. So we were able to to draw trend lines. So when we were moving from one technology, let's say statistical MT, to neural MT first, uh, generic, and then customized, we were able to sort of uh, monitor as we went how this affected the productivity. And the productivity is basically the number of words post-edited per hour, Mm -hmm. and also how the post-edit distance evolved. So, you know, if you manage to set up an environment like this, it is pretty powerful. And can you get to a place where you potentially are removing the need for post-editing to go to an empty-only workflow, for instance? 
You know, we are seeing this already where sometimes we have end users who are very driven by quarterly budget constraints. And so just I'm talking about a program uh, around the knowledge base, okay? So they are on a machine translation plus post-editing plane. And then mid-quarter, they may run out of money. And then they have the choice of not providing any translations at all or providing raw MT. And at this point, this team is comfortable enough with switching to raw MT sort of midstream. Right which is kind of forcing the conversation. I think at this point, what their challenge is, is to capture the, you know, the customer reception of the raw MT to see if, uh, if the customer is willing to go along with it. But it's also rather than being driven by budget constraints, it should be at, in a place at some stage where your stock engine are performing well enough for customization no longer to be necessary or post-editing no longer to be necessary, no? Well, you know that the holy grail is right. the stock engines to become so good that we don't even have to customize them anymore. Right. And the reason why that's interesting is for two reasons, I would say. Well, one is just the, the effort of training engines. But what I find more intriguing is that a stock engine may at last bring us to a point where terminology sort of gets normalized mm -hmm. across the various companies. You know, why is it necessary that Dell and HPE and NetApp may refer to whatever, let's say, database uh, differently only because we have three different providers? From the end user perspective, that's really an impediment to mm -hmm. to on ramping and and cognition. Okay, so if the stock engine becomes that lingua franca at last, I mean, I'd be all for it. You know, if, uh, from the end user perspective, that that's really the holy grail. Yeah, the holy grail. Okay, well, we're coming up to the end of our fifteen minute session there, Georg, and I'm sure like our listeners will be very interested to hear, you know, some of the ins and outs that you've talked about and how machine learning works at Dell. So thanks very much for joining our program. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again uh, very soon. Well, thanks again for having me. It was great fun. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.